1: With Alex and Fochie, Alex and Fauci Alex and Alex If I put our Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? How we can go be? head to head, call out your top three, call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte, now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton the point. This is the Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. What is going on, everybody? Pacers basketball is back. The Indiana Pacers pick up their first victory in the preseason. 122-97 to against the Charlotte Hornets. And joining us now to talk about it, it's my co-host, guys. Michael Focci. Focci's
2: back, baby. What's going on, brother? Alex, you know I never like to miss an episode, but man, the air, it just feels crisp right now. Pacer basketball is back. And Alex, last night, it was a treat.
1: It was a treat. It was definitely one of those things that I was laughing so hard because why in the world was it so hard to promote? Where this game could be watched, I don't understand what's going on with league pass and everything like that but it's like Chris and Quinn were on the call they they did a very good job of you know making sure that was available to fans but there was nobody promoting it whatsoever from the Pacers side of things so you know I think a lot of people ended up catching some of that second quarter the rest of the second half and maybe a little bit of the first if you were uh, on time and prepared for everything but it was cool to see the game on league pass even though there wasn't supposed to technically be a broadcast of it from either side of the Charlotte or Indiana but Overall, I really enjoyed it. Great to hear Chris and Quinn on the call. And, you know, Fachi, this was a, a great experience for us to get a chance to see what this Pacer team might look like heading into the season.
2: Oh, uh, really was. Simply put, the boys are back, and it feels great. I mean, Alex, it took only a couple minutes for me to say, it's going to be really tough to root for this team to tank this year because I was having a lot of fun running up and, up and down the court, seeing – seeing the boys get off to a big lead, playing some defense, something that we heard emphasized all offseason, actually saw it over there. And then, man, just the youth movement was in full effect. I mean, Alex, there's so many takeaways over here. But we saw it it looked like just about everybody looked good last night on the Pacers, and that was fun to see. Absolutely, Bachi,
1: And I have some good news for you. You don't have to worry about wins and losses because I don't know if you heard or not, but Darvin uh, Ham said that, you know, the W's and L's are less important and we need to look more at wisdoms and lessons. So, oh my God, <laughs> you know, that's one way to turn around what the Lakers are doing. But with that being said, I thought this was a really fun game. We're going to have Scott Agnes on here in the second segment to talk about it all. But I guess just before, you know, we get uh, Scott's thoughts on um, everything that's going on or uh, with everything that went on with that game, Fachi. And what he thinks about this upcoming season. I'm curious, was there
2: one or two things that stood out to you last night? There was. I would say the second unit, I mean, was as advertised. We heard the second unit had looked great, you know, in, in the early scrimmages and everything like that. And they showed it. I mean, that really helped the Patriots get out to a big lead. And one of those, you know, one of the parts that Isaiah Jackson, Yeah, Alex, at times, in my opinion at least, Isaiah Jackson looked like the best player on the court. And I know that's quite the statement. But if this man can stay out of foul trouble, I mean, the sky's the limit. He was going up and down the court, being able to catch lobs, finish them, reject shots. I mean, he looked really good. So I'm expecting a solid year out of him. And then Ben Matherin, I mean, the game comes smoothly to him five mm. of six from within the arc but getting to the free throw line Talk he, had about five, it. he had five free throw attempts mm. in his first seven minutes and mm. that's something you and I have Woo-hoo. been saying how are we going to get to the free throw line more and Matherin in his first real NBA action immediately does that
1: 20 of 20 as a team from the free throw line in the first half Fachi. I can't remember the last time the Pacers have done that. It feels like they've always been a meh free throw shooting yep. team. And it's great to see them knocking them down. I think they only missed one for the entire game, and it was from Isaiah Jackson. So, yep. you know, getting into foul trouble early for Ijax was not cool. Uh hated that for him, but he was the first sub off the bench for Miles Turner. Miles Turner only did play that first half. So obviously, you know, no reason to play Miles a ton of minutes right now. That was his first action back from the stress reaction that he suffered. Uh, earlier in uh, February or January. I can't remember when the actual injury was. I think it was actually January mm-hmm. uh, yep. this season or last season. So good to see him back and healthy. But Fochi, I think it's only fair that we give you the mic and you owe somebody on this Pacer squad an apology for your doubting of him. And that is none other than probably the player of the game yesterday, in my opinion, Aaron Nesmith.
2: I do owe this man an apology. Alex, I was sketched out by his summer league <laughs> performance. And you know what? The man looked good yesterday. He really did. Led the Patriots in scoring with 16 points, but not just offensively. Defensively, he looked really good. And mm-hmm. he had he had a run where he was just heating up. There, there was a span where, you know, he he got a couple baskets in a row, and it just looked like there was more to his game than just three point shooting. Putting the ball on the floor, he had a good floater, you know, a couple jumpers. I mean, just overall, I was impressed with Neesmith, and it makes me feel like, hey, this guy's got to be in the rotation on a regular basis. I know it's just one preseason game, and to be honest, I don't know if it's that the Pacers look real good or that Charlotte looked really rough. Could be the later part, but at the same point, hey, you know, I I was impressed what I saw last night from Neesmith especially. Charlotte sucked last night. Funny. They did. They did. They were
1: lifeless. It was one of the most unenjoyable performances I've seen from a Charlotte Hornets team since I've been watching them. I mean, LaMelo Ball looked like he could care less. I think one of the funniest things to me was, was like Mason Plumlee shooting left-handed free throws what was that? Like the, the highlight of the Hornets' first half, right? And it was so funny because like he would just be kind of like, you know, going through the motions, didn't seem like he cared, but as soon as he got a foul called on him, it's like all NBA players are like this in preseason. They're not even really trying. Then they get called for a foul. They're immediately triggered. Like, how are you going to call oh, yeah. that a foul on me? I thought the officiating was pretty bad last night. Uh, a lot yeah. of missed calls. It always feels like Lauren Holtkamp, whenever she referees Pacer games, that she always has some really terrible calls. Uh, it wasn't even her that had them all. There was other couple of referees in there that had some eh, questionable calls. But with that being said, the Pacers just kind of took care of business on the defensive side of things. I was really impressed overall with the team. But you're right, Flochi. it's just one preseason game. I will say this, the funniest hot take I saw on Twitter this morning, I believe, after people were talking about the game, was that Buddy Heald and Chris Duarte should be coming off the bench, and Aaron Neesmith and Benedict Matherin should be starting. So if that's the hot take we're going with, uh, I enjoy those, but let's tame our hot takes a little bit.
2: Oh yeah, things could always be hotter, so you know, I, I guess that's <laughs> not that bad, but... Man, overall, I would say, you know, even though the Pacers were off to such a hot start, the one thing that had me a little bit questionable was the rust showed from a three-point shooting standpoint. At one point, Pacers were one of 16 from three, ends up finishing six of 30. Overall, you know, you could could chalk that up to, hey, it was the first preseason game, but even worse for Charlotte, that was their second preseason game, and that's how Mm -hmm. they looked. So... Uh, You know, overall, I I was happy with the team and and I I realized this is going to be tough because I tiptoed that line where I tweeted out saying like, "Eh, a little alarming. We're just one of 16 from three. And then I got the people saying like, that's great. Like miss every shot. And it's like, whoa, whoa." (laughs) I don't have it in me to like root for this team to miss every shot. They lose games. Okay. That's fine. I'm not going to take the losses so hard like in previous years, but you also want to see these players look good on the court. And I thought, Last night was definitely, um, you know, more of the second unit shining compared to the first unit, but there was just a lot to like across the board,
1: yeah. And one last shout out for me before we uh take a break and bring Scott Agnes on. I actually was really impressed with Andrew Nimhard Fachi. I thought. He had a really impressive fourth quarter, obviously didn't get in there uh, to play with the second unit as he's on that third unit, uh, third string unit, I guess you could say 11th, 12th man, wherever you want to put a, uh, put him in that category. But I thought, you know, he seemed a little bit nervous at first, like the first couple possessions, but once he got in the groove, he was very poised. He took some nice shots when he needed to take them. He was facilitating. I just felt like it was a very good showing for Andrew Nimhard in his first preseason action. So You know, I I think Rick Carlisle said on the media availability that Kendall Brown played well beyond his years for last night's fourth quarter. So nothing Kendall did really jumped off the page to me, Fachi. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. But, you know, that might be a good thing. He wasn't making a bunch of turnovers. He was uh, not always trying to drive to the basket. He took some threes. So maybe that's what Carlisle was saying, you know, defended decently. Um, I thought it was interesting how the Pacers defended kind of a, It looked like they were in zone for a little bit there, and the offense was a little bit interesting. Jalen Smith led the team in rebounds with 10. So, you know, I I thought overall it was a fun performance against a really uninspired, crappy-looking Hornets team, but it's preseason victory number one. We got the Knicks Friday night, so you're probably listening to this on Friday morning. So we got Knicks preseason to tonight on, on, on Friday night. So, looking forward to another showcase there for the Pacers in preseason. But Facci, anything else before we take a quick break?
2: No, just as as it relates to Nimhardt. I mean, eight points, three assists, no turnovers. Love yeah. that. Shot four of eight from the field. Felt like he didn't take any risks or anything. Played the game smart. That was great. And then, as it relates to Kendall Brown over there, like I know you mentioned the praise from Carl. That's great. To me, it just, just like you said, didn't feel like he stood out in any ways, but he didn't look rough or wasn't turning the ball over. So it's like, okay. But when I looked at the roster from top to bottom, it felt that the two-way contract is the move for Kendall Brown. Good experience, but didn't necessarily shine. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, no, and I agree with that. I I think it was interesting to see O'Shea where he kind of came up uh, in the rotation, felt like he's kind of buried it in the doghouse. I had a couple of different memes of that just being silly, but Goga Batadze did not play. Daniel Tice did not play in yesterday's preseason game and you know there was nothing brought up on the um you know from the Pacer side of things in terms of Carlisle saying why Goga didn't play but if you want to use the excuse to use for Daniel Tice in terms of you know he was just recently playing some heavy minutes in Eurobasket I can kind of see why they're easing Goga back into it but also just kind of interesting to see James Johnson play about 13 minutes last night as well so overall a really good start for the Pacers in preseason but Let's go ahead and take that break, Fauci. We're gonna bring on Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files right after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right, everybody joining us now from the Fieldhouse Files, you all know him very well, does a great job covering the Indiana Pacers, it's Scott Agnes. Scott, thanks so much for coming on, man.
3: You bet. Good to be back on with you guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously everyone's talking about the game last night, the Pacers get the big win. Uh, We talked about it in the first segment a little bit here, but just curious your thoughts, maybe give me one or two takeaways from last night's game that really stood out to you.
3: Yeah, so, yeah, you're right, it's hard to take too many things away, but I'll point this out because I think this would be interesting for your listeners here, and I've mentioned it on Fieldhouse Files and such, is this was our first time, meaning media, seeing this. This is the first time in my 11 seasons where we haven't seen one second of training camp, let's call it. The double doors open to a a few of us that cover the team every single day there, and all we're seeing is is Miles Turner in the corner shooting and Jenny Busick working with the several players. Basically, what I'm saying is individual shooting. Normally, we've seen them do maybe end of clock drills, maybe finishing up a scrimmage. Anyways, to my point, that was the first minutes I had seen of this new group uh, that was the other night when the the team opened in Charlotte. And so um, my couple big takeaways, one, loved how they moved the ball early. Almost too unselfishly, I thought. But that's not too surprising. A lot of new guys together and also a new season. you kind of trying to quote-unquote make the bright pass where a couple times, especially as the game wore on and with that second and third unit, I thought there were too many passes, Uh, but I thought it was a great start. I really liked what we saw from Aaron Neesmith. Very uh, different than what we saw at Summer League. Uh, Much more confident and and sure of himself, uh, which is not surprising. And then Just affirmation and confirmation that, man, they just really want to throw it up to Isaiah Jackson like they've been talking about.
2: Isaiah Jackson, I mentioned Alex just in the intro before, really impressed me. I mean, he looked really, really good. If he can stay out of foul trouble, I I really do think the sky is the limit for him. However, Benedict Matherman on the other side of things, five of six from within the arc, Mm -hmm. getting to the free throw line. What is it about his performance last night that maybe had you impressed thinking that, hey, Summer League was not a fluke.
3: I think it was finishing through contact. We knew he'd be confident, no doubt about that. I think we knew he would try to attack as much as he could, uh, so no surprise there. But what was it, to start the third quarter, if I remember right? I think he had an and one. Yep. Um, and then the next time down, he maybe missed it, but then went to the line and made a couple of free throws. Oh, and I should point out, a terribly small sample size. But the fact that they were so good at the free throw line was encouraging. I think mm-hmm. they went 26 of 27, exactly. maybe maybe made their first 20. That's a positive development. Any team needs that. So I, I did like that. But uh, for Matherin, yeah, it was it was playing through contact because even I was messaging you back and forth with Alex while we were watching it. Yeah. That Hornets team looked disinterested, but still Mather and bodying up whoever was guarding him. That, that was strong.
1: Yeah. I, I said in the first intro uh, or segment of the show, I said, the Hornets suck last night. I mean, there's no <laughs> the doubt about it. I mean, they just flat out sucked. Like, I mean, it was just so frustrating to me because I'm just like, Steve Clifford teams don't usually play like this. It's like, they're going through the motions, and I was telling Flachi off air, I said, I really hate to say this, but that Hornets team, while LaMelo Ball is the all-star, I think Gordon Hayward is so pivotal to how good that team can be, you know, it's kind of like if you look at the body of a car, you know, that's the sexy thing that everybody looks at, and that's what LaMelo Ball is, but it's the engine that keeps it running, and that's where I think Gordon Hayward, or that's what Gordon Hayward is for that team, so you know, I'm assuming they'll be much more competitive come regular season time, but that was just disappointing from my standpoint how they played. But I think you have to give the Pacers a little bit of credit because they were much better defensively, and I think that's always been the emphasis here since training camp started. And I, I've really been impressed with a lot of the young players and how they've developed defensively. But you know, one player that just continues to be kind of felt like they're left out a little bit is O'Shea Brissett. Uh, what is going on with O'Shea and his role with this team?
3: Yeah, first of all, I think you're pretty much spot on with the Hornets. Kind of looked disinterested, was surprised, lack of performance. And you're right, G is the central part of that team. Um, otherwise I think you you see that group and it's a lot of guys looking to get theirs or not play within a framework of an offense. And so, uh, I did laugh the fans, not surprisingly, unsurprisingly, I guess, but we want mellow chance third and fourth quarter of a meaningless game. (laughs) Anyways, uh, to your O'Shea question. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Do not have an explanation right now. The only thing I know is what I saw last year and to start the season for the first two or three months, they just showed, not not that they told me this. They showed that they weren't big believers, uh, or in, in Oshaber set, or preferred others. And at this one game sample size, that kind of seemed like the same way. And and he was so productive and so useful in his previous role that I thought they threw him out there with a lot of new guys, uh, inexperienced and young guys, and not even he could find a flow so I hope he gets more of an opportunity I thought the Pacers had a a real dilemma this past offseason how they handled him do they uh, carry on and finish out this cheap deal of his or do they try to sign him to an extension they elected to to finish out the rest of this deal but in doing so he could go elsewhere if he wanted to the up after this season and and being an uh, unrestricted free agent um not exactly the wrong move, but I was I was surprised they went that route because of how productive he was. But you also look at the Pacers roster, the numbers game, the fact that they have already three first round pr- picks that they're planning on next summer and working to get more. Um, it's a numbers game, so maybe he'll be the odd man out. But I just know I like if he he's in the rotation. I think he deserves it. But. That said, I haven't seen him in training camp to see what he's worth or not worth uh, in terms of being in the rotation or not.
2: Man, just seeing Kendall Brown log minutes before O'Shea, it really James hurt Johnson exactly. That I that was I felt for O'Shea on that one. Like man, just not seeing him get into the fourth quarter that's gotta hurt. I do think that ended up being one of the storylines in what was a really good game for the Pacers overall. But also, you know, the, the second unit, I thought they really brought it last night. I mean, between Nismith, McConnell, Terry Taylor, all were at least plus 30 or better. Do you think the Pacers found great balance with that second unit? Because you know there's still a lot of fans that want to see Matherin in that starting lineup. But for now, I thought the second unit looked great.
3: I, I would completely agree with that. The other thing I, I'd say is – Generally, you're not doing li- line substitutions. So, even though we saw most of that second unit play together, once we get into games, generally you stagger lineups, right? Mm-hmm. So, it might be Miles and Halliburton that stay on, and then they send three uh, guys in with a couple of those starters there. So, I don't, that said, I, I don't make too much then out of that second group. But you're right, Fauci. I, I completely uh, liked what we saw in terms of the energy level and how they played off one another. And I guess it didn't surprise completely just because of the rave reviews uh, from the first couple days of training camp, how Rick Carlisle in their first media session made a point. He does everything deliberately. He made a point to note the second unit won the day and it wasn't even close. And so they did it defensively. And I think that second group is just full of Prove it, type guys that are full of life and and at the end of your point there, you mentioned Matherin maybe starting lineup, maybe not, not a huge deal, but I almost like him with that second unit at least to start out because he can be more of the featured guy, right? Mm-hmm. The first group, it's it's Halliburton, it's Turner, um, Buddy Heald's gonna need, needs to shoot more. Actually, I want to see him shoot more, especially if you want to showcase him as well. By the way, and Duarte is much improved. Um, I forget who you're we talking to. Uh, I think it was Miles, and he was like, Yeah, Duarte came back from this offseason, and a, a guy that, you know, usually you make that biggest jump from first to second year. And he goes, I think him playing with the Dominican Republic now has him a lot more patient and a lot more um, poised out there. And so I'm good with how they're rolling right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if Matherin, they use him as kind of the key cog of that second unit.
1: Scott, before we move on to more Pacers questions, I just have to. Uh... You know, clear the air here. Uh, I think it's about every podcast that we do with uh, me you, and Fauci. You somehow uh, <laughs> always call Fauci Fauci, and it's an inside joke with our listeners and me and Fauci. But I just wanted to clarify that uh, it's it's Fauci, not Fauci. Uh, <laughs> hey,
2: hey big my bad. Difference fam. Here. Big no difference worries. Here. <laughs> COVID's COVID's got us all confused out here. <laughs> that's I know. Funny that's as, funny I'm glad you as, had something though. I'm glad I did too
1: I started laughing as soon as I heard it and then Fauci just texted me he's like oh he hit me with the Fauci again <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to cut you off oh man yeah, I was like good. you know what I think so I don't know why I, I threw
3: a you in your name I guess that's how I was reading it yeah you Cti <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's all good no I just I, I thought it was funny so I wanted to address it on the podcast but with that being said uh last question for me in terms of the game last night uh no, Goga, but I'd say. I mean, we heard Rick Carlisle talk about Daniel Tice, you know, playing, mm-hmm. you know, in Eurobasket. I'm assuming that's probably why Goga didn't play. But even if he was, I mean, gonna play, it just feels like he's kind of out of the rotation. Doesn't really fit Rick's style of play and doesn't really fit this roster. I mean, is that kind of what you're feeling here, or was it more so just, you know, he's giving him some extra rest because of Eurobasket?
3: Well, there's that, and then there's also factoring in. Um, He's had a couple injuries over the last couple of months. I don't know how much that's been discussed or talked about. First of all, he rolled his ankle um, in the first game of Eurobasket, which kind of ruined his experience over there. Yeah, Just asking him about that, I wish I could describe that adequately, what his face looked like. He was just bummed out, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Disgusted that he couldn't even play. Um, kind of like it ruined the entire experience as you would expect. But, um, so he was not a hundred percent at start training camp. Um, I think he didn't do much the first couple days. And while we are out there after practice, I can't remember seeing him do much. Um, it doesn't mean he's not doing it before or after, but I don't think I have photos or videos of him doing stuff. He's usually on the East baseline, just kind of watching, hanging out. But he has been a full go in practice, according to Rick, over the last three or four training camp practices. Um, And then on top of that, he quietly came back to Indianapolis from Georgia in July and was here for about a month to rehab. Once again, that knee flared up, the knee injury. And so I I think it's a combination, first of all, that he had been playing and didn't have much of an offseason, then the injuries and a, a more limited training camp. To the bigger picture, I completely agree. I've said for probably a year and a half now, I think it'd be best for both sides if they kind of moved on. If Goga got a fresh start elsewhere, and it helped clear up the log jam to some extent in the front court. Because it's a numbers game. I'm not sure, and I don't think Rick does either, where Tice exactly fits in the short term.
2: I don't know if anyone knows where Tice fits in the short term, but as it as it relates to Goga, rough night for Goga. Honestly, the only real time they showed him on camera, gum fell out of his mouth and onto his lap. I mean, it was not the highlight that you really want over there. Didn't see Goga shown on camera really after that. But talking about one of our other bigs, Miles Turner makes his return, you know, first time playing since I believe January. Yeah. He's good. I thought he get he got the game started right away. Scored the first four points on a post up fadeaway, had dunk. Now he f- doesn't play in the second half. But finishes with twelve points, three boards, three assists, two blocks. Also coexisted well with Jalen Smith, in my opinion. What were your thoughts on Turner last night?
3: Yeah, I thought he did well, and I, I liked how they handled it. Um, it's and to go back to what we were talking about at the very beginning too with Isaiah. Cannot over uh, skip over the fact. 2002 minutes yeah. like we got to get past that and I think that was the big thing I'm not talking about weight too much like that was over during it training camp. like first he's 20 years old I think if he loses weight that's the concern right now like um he's probably he, it's hilarious like I remember being you know that age and freshman year in college for example I lived with a football player alignment he couldn't drink enough protein shakes and gain weight. So um, th- that's a difficult thing. But to the to the broader point, liked what we saw from Isaiah. And then with Miles, I like the fact that with Isaiah out, they kept rolling with him and allowed him to get even more minutes, both with the first unit. And then he was the last starter, I believe, on um, to roll with the second unit as well. I thought he got a nice little run. He's, he admitted while he's 100%, not quite in game shape yet. That's very different. And so I liked how they kind of leaned on him in the first half and then said, all right, all right, vet, you're good. Just throw some ice on the bags, and then let's see what the younger guys look like. So I thought it was a, a smooth and productive first game for Miles.
1: Yeah, I know. It's, it's good to see Miles back out there and healthy because that's obviously a, a big question mark in terms of, you know, was he going to be able to play? How was going to look? And I thought, you know, he kind of looked like himself out there. It didn't really feel like he looked um, like he was hurting or limping or anything like that, so that's good to see. But I don't want to look too far ahead, but obviously we know this upcoming draft class is really exciting, uh, Scott. And and we know that there are two prospects that they've just played two games against each other Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night and today at noon. Uh, Victor Wimbenyama, though, I mean, in the two games against the G League Ignite, averaged 36.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, 4.5 blocks on a true shooting percentage of 64.8. Talk to me at all. I don't know if you watched any of this, but I heard you say today on the radio that, you know, there's some executives out there, you know, watching both Victor and Scoot, but talk to me a little bit more mm-hmm. about those two guys and why the Pacers, you know, might be trying to, to aim to get one of those two guys on the roster.
3: Yeah. I mean, how much fun was that? And then they played this afternoon and unfortunately Scoot uh, got a, a minor injury that appeared mm-hmm. early on and then not, did not play the rest of the game. So he's only out there just a little bit, but with with Victor, you're just seeing a guy with an entirely new dimension to him. I think think of in terms of size and body, think of Giannis when he came out of Greece, but with talent that he had already put together, right? Like Giannis couldn't really do much. Could he, you know, could he even dribble and, and get a shot off and try none of that. That took him time as well as you know, building strength and such, whereas Victor, he shoots like a A quality three-point shooter. He can attack. He's a rim threat defensively. Just just does all those little things. And I'm not even sure what he is. What, 18, probably? Yeah. 19? Like unbelievable future, probably ahead of him. And a lot of people probably like to discuss his size. I think it's different though than like a Chet who just kind of looks fragile a little bit. Victor just looks young. Like he's gonna have he's gonna grow into a body. Yeah, Um, January.
1: January 4th, 2004 is his birthday, so he just oh. he's 18 and a half.
3: Oh, talk about making us feel old. <laughs> at least me, speak for myself here. Yeah. But um so yeah, and, and it's not unique or or special, let's say that the Pacers are out there. I know at least a half dozen of them are out there talking about execs, scouts, um all those types are, are checking them out and I'm not I'd be surprised if a team did not have at least several executives out there. And it's not just for those two, but it's primarily for those two. Because remember, G League, uh, uh, Ignite, they're probably going to have several first-round picks. Pacers have at least three again. Um, and so it, it's scouting all of that, seeing what this other team looks like, and also a good way for potentially deals to go down as well. If execs are in the same room or in the same hotel, it's oftentimes when when guys talk like that or it stirs stirs things up up a little bit, but there is so much excitement about those two. And I thought the the first game that they played earlier this week exceeded all expectations.
2: It really did, and it's like you know, it's easy to sleep on Scoot Henderson here because he looked really good. But Victor truly does look like something we have not seen yet. And in 2022, it's hard to say that because you'd like to say we've seen it all. But this player truly looks like his ceiling is is sky high. So I know it's just one preseason game, and Charlotte looked awful. But (laughs) after last night, do you think that we could be discrediting this Pacers team a little bit? Could they be better than what people are thinking? Or is it just, hey, look, it's one preseason game against the Charlotte Hornets.
3: Yeah, I put zero stock into this preseason game. One, because you're not playing necessarily to win. I know you say that, but you you are strategically, but you not aren't lineup rise, wise, right? Like we already mentioned, how Miles didn't play the second half. Well, if Miles is healthy, he's playing 30 minutes at least per game. So from that standpoint, no, you're not exactly. You have different goals. The offense is barely installed at this point. The defense, you're just kind of seeing what it looks like against an opponent, and the opponent wasn't very organized or determined out there. So that's why you can't really take too much off of that game. I think everybody's expectations are a little bit different for this group, um, and I think it could evolve a little bit, whether there's deals down the line um, and that type of thing too. But I thought it was – my opinion has evolved over the last three months or so. When v- Vegas first came out with over-unders, it was 24 and a half. And I'm sitting there going, hey, look, Pacers won 25 games last year, and it was a laughable season in a negative light, right? You still had COVID. You had – I love the stats, so I'll bring it up again. You had 30 players and only 25 wins. So there was a lot of newness. Um, a lot of your key players didn't play half the season. Malcolm, Miles, never saw T.J. Warren. Edmund Sumner, rotation guy, injured, never saw the floor. 400 games lost due to injury. They still won 25 games. However – you got a much younger team. I think they're more invested in the development of these guys, which should in turn mean more playing time, more exploration with lineups and that type of stuff. Um, and then who knows how this team looks in January, February, down the line. I'm not saying they're the worst team in the league, but I would not expect a 30-win team um, by any means. And probably it's going to be in that 20-win range, and that's just fine. That's good enough where they have some wins, and you see it and feel a direction but also, they're tapping back into the lottery for the third straight year. And hopefully, that'll be the last time in the next decade uh, as they finally recognize and, and are good with going in all in on this full rebuild, which many have been clamoring for quite a while. It just felt like spoiled milk. I think I used this with you guys last year. It just felt like this team was past their expiration date. And finally, the team threw it away and and went to the grocery store. And now we're buying some new goods.
1: Yeah, I think what you uh, what you used last year was the frozen pizza reheating the frozen pizza analogy. Uh, yeah, that's a that good one. Was, that was a, that was a good one, Scott. I appreciate that. It wasn't Jake Query level analogy, but very uh, <laughs> that's very, a whole different
3: level. That's man. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's
1: a totally different level. Uh, but but I will ask you this because we know the Pacers, you know, have that Cavs pick and they have that Celtics pick coming into the draft uh, next year. But with this season, you know, everything that's kind of happened with Boston and all the stuff that happened out there with Coach Ime and then. With the Cavaliers getting Donovan Mitchell, how do you think that you know helps the Pacers in acquiring those picks, and maybe does you know what happened in Boston maybe make them a little bit worse throughout the regular season?
3: I think it 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 throws a little speed bump in their road for the first couple of months. Players yeah. didn't change there. You actually added uh, a couple. Number one being Malcolm Brogdon that the entire audience knows, but it's a totally different vibe when the man in charge is not there and it's someone new. And by the way, it's somebody who hadn't been in that role before very young. So it's more like a peer than very different late relationship, right? Than maybe Jalen Smith has with Rick Carlisle. They, they love each other, but it's very different than maybe peers where Malcolm Brogdon is like a year younger than Joe, the new head coach up there. So very different now in terms of how this directly impacts the Pacers for one, the league just, I think the, Utah deal that Danny Ainge was able to swing with Minnesota completely froze the league for about a month and a half, two months. Maybe it's the reason why Kevin Durant, honestly, is still with Brooklyn. Um, Just the value, the fact that they were able to essentially get six first-round picks, if you include this past year, for Rudy Gobert, who many players in the league will tell you they like going at in the playoffs. They like targeting, um, that they're not scared of, but... That's a whole different conversation. With the Pacers, I think right here, you're looking at a team that very well could finish at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, and that would not surprise. Um, There's a couple teams that I would put ahead of them, but we don't know what they're doing, what their direction is. They haven't clarified that like the Pacers have. Um, So right now, I think the Pacers are standing their ground. They're not rushing in any, any type of deal. The number one thing seemingly will be Miles Turner, knowing he's in a contract year. And if he's with the team past mid February, it's very likely, unlikely he's going to resign here. I think at worst, he's going to explore the market kind of like that senior in high school, never been a free agent can, you know, go to Duke, North Carolina, Indiana, Kansas, that, 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 that gives you a different feeling. And miles hasn't been able to experience that. Maybe he chooses the best contract, um, which could be most likely, maybe he chooses a winning situation. This guy hadn't been in the playoffs in like four years And he's never played in the second round either. So um, there's a lot that goes into that. It just feels a little bit awkward. I don't know how it wouldn't be if I'm Miles around the franchise a little bit.
2: No, I I completely agree with that. I mean, one of the other guys that's obviously been in trade rumors, Buddy Heald, someone that actually has, you know, money left over past this year, about $18.5 million after this season. You know, Buddy looks like he's, I don't want to say locked into the starting two-guard spot, but expected to be a starter. Um, do you see him finishing the season with the Pacers or does this feel like just kind of a matter of time before, you know, the the way is kind of paved for, Benedict Mather to make his way in the starting lineup?
3: Yeah, I think it's the latter in terms of Buddy probably going elsewhere just because he doesn't fit the timeline and Mm -hmm. he's a guy I believe has the most games played in the league without a playoff appearance and for a guy that loves the freaking game That would just drive me nuts. Um, He just got that monster contract, so he's at least paid once. He probably can get paid significantly at least one more time, but that would weigh heavily on me. I know that for sure. Just trying to experience the playoffs and imagine him with like the Warriors culture, right? Like I think that's an experience in a world he hasn't been privy to with the Kings and then now with the rebuilding Pacers right here. So I would say the safe pick... The odds are probably in favor of him not being here by the end of the season. Um, but there's no need to rush into that one either. I just think you'll find a team that looks to add shooting. What team couldn't use that? And maybe they feel they're one player away. There's probably a team that's or two that suffers injuries. Now, the buyout market has become a big thing. But in general, you're not getting an impact player. You're getting a 10th man or a veteran or your third-string center in the buyout market if you're the the Lakers, the Heat, that type of thing. Maybe Buddy will become even more valuable as the season progresses a little bit in the team. That is contending and their windows closing that they need a little bit more.
1: All right, Scott, you said you were expecting a prediction question from me, so I have come up with one. Uh, With the trade talks, I think it makes a lot of sense. So uh, my question for you is how many players, uh, I'll ask you over under this number, three and a half players being traded off the Pacers this season.
3: Not a prediction guy, but I'll take the under.
1: The under, okay. Yeah, I uh my the five guys that I'm thinking as prime targets here are obviously Buddy and Miles with Daniel Tice, Goga you and O'Shea Brissett. Um, that's yeah, why the, I was that's curious. a good
3: number because because Daniel Tice it seems it seems inevitable he'll get moved as well. Mm-hmm. But that's three. Anything else? I don't I don't know. That that just depends. Honestly, obviously, what offers could be out there. I, I think Tice could be first um, just because I, there's really no fit or use for him on this team. And I, I talked with him this past week, and it was, it was good, and I'll post that here in the coming days. But he, he was stunned to get traded and really disappointed. I mean, and how could you not also, by the way? Anyone yeah. would be. He had a good fit, started his career there, went away to get paid, came back, You reached the NBA Finals. You are so close, and you just lose, you're, you're thinking you're going to sniff it again the next year, and you just suddenly get dealt, I think he's out of the country, and then goes to Eurobasket, they come up short there. like Just a disappointment, uh, or full of emotions the last couple of months, I think, for Tice. Lo- love the guy, good dude, but Pacers are just stacked at center, and he has other, other things in mind, I think, as you would expect.
2: I don't think he does, and I don't blame him. And honestly, it seemed like there was such a mystery around you know him really joining the team, being like left out of you know certain social media stuff, just all those small things that basically said, "Hey, this guy's probably not in our long-term plans."
3: But well, what, one thing on that too, I can clarify: for one, he didn't even know exactly what was going on. I talked <laughs> with people around him too, and they were even asking me. They were like, "So, any idea with how the Pacers?" what the Pacers plan to do here. That was started at summer league and continued into the off season. And then in terms of like social media and media day, he wasn't at media day because of the COVID scare. So that was nothing intentional. He was not there to be involved in photos or take videos or anything like that. I'm sure they'll hold something privately for him or they'll just be like, eh, we just need a headshot and we're good. If they think it is something short term.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was something so small, unrelated to the team. But even once, like, the Pacers social media team put out baby pictures of everyone on the team, he wasn't included in there. And it was just, you know, it it doesn't mean anything, but it was just sure. like a oh, classic. So we're just not going to acknowledge him in any which way, huh? The
3: but- only thing I could imagine there is dude was overseas playing in Eurobasket, and they couldn't get a hold of him type thing. It could be as meaningless possible, as that. Or you're exactly right. Maybe they're like, hey, let's... We, we have to commission these type of things well in <laughs> advance. Let's not put them in it.
2: Yeah, you never know. But either way, Scott, it feels great having you back on the show because it really feels like Pacer basketball is here. As we wrap up, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and some of the awesome content that you're putting out right now.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, putting up stuff at FieldhouseFiles.com, Fieldhouse Files podcast. The last one I had was – with someone that really doesn't do many interviews or talk at length. And she's fascinating, so successful, so smart. That's Mel Rains, who's kind of taking over the Pacers from the business side. Rick Fusen's still involved for now 40 years some, but she's the president COO. So that was my last podcast talking about all the renovations and when everything is going to be done. Um, and then just at Scott Agnes on on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely would say that was a great podcast. I really enjoyed hearing the behind-the-scenes stuff and how they went about Uh, doing some of the renovations and some of the things that have been updated. So really cool there from uh, from her. But, yeah, Scott, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll have to have you on again soon.
3: Very good. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Always love having Scott Agnes on the show. Fachi. what a great conversation with him and really enjoyed getting to hear his thoughts on this Pacers team.
2: Oh, yeah. Between getting Jeremiah Johnson the other night and Scott Agnes right now, it really feels like we're getting the band back together. I mean – what, Pacer, see, Pacer basketball, it's upon us right now. So it definitely feels real. And just the fact of having actual basketball to cover again, outside of, you know, is Miles, is Miles Turner getting traded to Lakers <laughs> talk. I mean, this feels so much better, and it has me really excited for this next preseason game. Absolutely, Flashy. I'm really
1: excited, too. And it's just really cool to see these young guys perform and, and grow. And that's what this season is all about. But with that being said, we got the Knicks tonight um, in Madison Square Garden, so that'll be a fun one there. We'll get to see Benedict Matherin in one of the coolest arenas in the NBA, if not the coolest. But with that being said, Fachi,
2: let the people know where they can check us out on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at settingthepace Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash
1: Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, or go to your Google engine search engine and type in Setting the Pace, YouTube, and it will pop up. But Fachi, with that being said, if you're hoping Victor Wimpingama is an Indiana Pacer, by the start of next season, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Let's go Pacers! going to the top setting the pace going to the top this is your number one podcast
0: sweeping every team we gonna need a mop smooth.
4: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium